everybody back to the ballers edition podcast my name is d and i got my main man baller with me b what's going on i'm here my brother excited to be back man how you doing i'm all right man chilling you know dealing with this cold and snowstorm and all of that man so it's keeping me inside the house and i'm just watching hoops right now I feel you. I've been trying my best to keep up with it, man. There's so many games every night. It seems like there's an interesting matchup, man. So Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. true, man. But I wanted to get started on a particular topic that um, we were just discussing before we came on, which is trade deadlines almost two weeks away or just under two weeks away. So there's a lot of big names. Ed Simmons' name comes up. Harden's name's coming up. Westbrook's mm-hmm. name's coming up. Um, Sabonis, what are your thoughts? Um, I'm excited to see what happens. I think there may be some unexpected ones that are going to pop up, but obviously everybody's watching the Simmons one to see who blinks. Obviously, Ben is committed to sitting out the whole year if he has to. Um, but I'm, I actually think that the Sixers should try to make a move. Um, especially because I think like Sacramento Kings have been very interested and I'm of the mindset that if, if this is me and I'm them, I would take De'Aaron Fox and another man and let Simmons go. I think that they could benefit from a guy like Fox right now. And I think that it's going to be a waste if they hold on to this too long. So I think if, if this was me, I would take Buddy Hield and De'Aaron Fox if they were willing to part with those two. Mm. Really? Yeah. I think I think De'Aaron Fox is, is the player that they need. They need a, a disruptive guard that can get into the paint whenever he wants. He's pretty athletic. He's really fast. And if he can just consistently knock down the three... I think they got a very interesting chance at being able to beat a lot of the teams that are at the top of the East right now. Yeah. yeah. And to be honest, if I, if I can say this, to be very honest, I thought they should have taken Fox that draft. Mm. I, I felt they needed him then. So the irony is that they still need a guy like him now after however many years. And I felt like he was the guy that they should have taken over Fultz. The only other guy I would have chose over him for them was Tatum. Yeah, that was a, that was that was a weird draft because they were number three originally. They traded to move up to number one so they can draft Fultz, and Boston went down to get Tatum. It, it's yeah. it's 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 very very interesting. If you look back, hindsight's twenty twenty. You know what I mean? We didn't know Markel Fultz was going to have the issues that he has, but yeah, you, you imagine. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I knew Fultz. I knew Fultz wasn't the guy. I knew that. I seen Fultz. I seen the little bit that I had seen of him. And I was like, I knew, I didn't think he'd have the psychological problems that came with him getting injured and all the pressure. But I knew he wasn't going to be the guy. I knew he didn't have the skill set for the position that he was playing. And I just knew he was undersized. He wasn't super athletic. He didn't have anything that made me believe that he was worth being the number one pick. Like, it just didn't make sense to me. Even Fox was super fast. Like, you knew that. Lonzo was a great playmaker, passer. 
Tatum was long and skilled and had so much potential. Those guys made sense, but Fultz never made sense to me. Yeah. He just, like, he just, I think the power of media, he had such great name recognition going into the draft. Uh, Markel Fultz, that mm -hmm. uh, it, it's it's hard to get off a guy like that once once his name is being brought up like that. Um Donovan Mitchell was a was a surprise for me in that one. Yeah. I didn't see yeah. that. You imagine if the teams would have paid attention early, you know, what I mean, he would have got a lot gone a lot higher in the draft. Probably if he redrafted, he might go number one. Definitely. You know, so yeah, like <clears throat> that was, that draft was that draft was a tough one. You know what I mean? I think that that set Philly's trust the process thing back a little bit. Because they'd have been a completely different team with either Tatum, Fox, or, you know what I mean, Donovan Mitchell or something like that. So, yeah, 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 yeah. That one's so interesting. What do you think? Do you do you do do you do um, the Fox heel trade for for Ben Simmons? So apparently, um, one of the sources said that this is what Sacramento offered. Buddy healed. Tyrese Halliburton, Harrison Barnes, two first-round picks for Simmons, Harris, and Matisse Thibel. No. If Fox isn't in it, I don't want it. That's the way I'd be talking about the Sixers. If I, Fox isn't in it, I don't want it. I, I th like, looking at it, I'm like, it's not bad. It's not bad. They get rid of... They get rid of Simmons and Harris They do have to give up Thibault And they love Thibault Especially as a defender um, You do get two first round picks And you're getting them from the Kings that, that's, Yes that is an interesting part To that trade for sure The picks probably would make it sweet But Fox In my opinion He's the guy that would make that trade Really make sense for them Why do you think the Kings don't want to include him in it Alright so take out Because you're looking at the contracts You'd have to take out either Harrison Barnes Or Buddy Heald out of take, that out Harrison, take out Harrison Barnes Okay So if you take out yeah. Harrison Barnes Tyrese Halliburton comes back too And then you gotta throw somebody else in there and then you're probably going to lose either one of those picks. You're not going to get the two first-round picks. If they're sending over Jaron Fox, there's no way they send two first-round picks. That's for sure. But yeah. if you can get one, if you can get one pick and Fox and Heald, I think you did well, especially with the type of team that the Sixers have right now. I just think Fox and the speed element and his upside, he's still not, he still hasn't reached his true potential yet. And I think with a guy like Embiid and the way Embiid is playing right now, Fox would feed off of that perfectly, right? Yeah. Again, there's not a ton of pressure there. He could just be himself. He can think about scoring a lot more. And he just is still growing. He still has so much potential. And I think, in the, and to me, I think he's a gamer. I think he's the type of guy that if they got into the playoffs and he had a good little rhythm going, he could start to catch fire and he could start to almost like what happened when he was playing for Kentucky in the, in the tournament. Mm -hmm. Right. And he kind of had a stretch. He was doing okay in the season. And then he, 
he got into the tournament. Yeah. And that's up. when he, you know what I mean? So I think that he has that just kind of hovering around where if he can get into the into the playoffs with a guy like Embiid who takes up so much space. He's still, you know, I'm doubling down on my point of view. I really think Embiid is the most skilled big the NBA has ever had. No. <laughs> I think I think he is, man. Embiid is unguardable, man. I don't know. It, he's, he reminds me of peak DeMarcus Cousins. No. Yeah. No way. He shoots way better than Cousins does. Way better. I don't know, if, knows. That, I don't know if that's true. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. In mm. every area. He has a better mid-range. He has the little step-back fade. He can face up, jab you, shoot it. He obviously can shoot the three. No way. Cousins. Cousins' was shot was unreliable. Maybe he could get warm, but no way. Not like Embiid's shot. I don't know. I'm gonna look it up right now. So I'm I'm, I'm going. I'm going all in. I don't I don't <laughs> believe. I don't. I, honest to God, I don't believe that. Um, okay. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. All right. Embiid as a shooter. Now I think Demarcus Cousins. I think Cousins is a product of, of the wrong environment and a little bit of Carmelo Anthony-ish in terms of the character, which is you're not obsessed with improving your physical ability. You know what I mean? You're, you're, you're relying too much on skill and talent and not enough on chiseling your body, preparing yourself physically. You know what yeah. I mean? I think Cousins kind of didn't take it serious enough combined with the reputation that the league had kind of put on him. Yeah. And I, I, and I think Cousins just, you know, has underachieved, in my opinion, for the type of talent that he really is, you know? Yeah, it's tough being from Kentucky. But you get dressed. Yeah, I, I, think, I think with, with Cousins, I think he needed, he needed a complimentary piece with him. He needed another, um, I, I think, like a number one talent that was around him, and then you'd have got to see the best of him. I think mm-hmm. having him try to carry the weight of Sacramento for so long, that you know what I mean? Like mentally, you got to be ready and prepared for all of that stuff because you got to deal with the ups, the downs. You got to deal with the media blame. You got to deal with so much, you know? So for yeah. him, like, I think if he had somebody else there that was also another star, that can take a lot of that blame from him. I think he'd have had an excellent career, man. And yeah. the the last yeah. injury that he had when he was with the Pelicans didn't help either. You know, no. I th- I think he thought like you know he was gonna get rewarded no matter what. He was still gonna get the money, and the Pelicans just just brushed him. You know, yeah. When they when they yeah. knew they were moving on AD, they were like, yeah, nah, we're good, we're good over here. But yeah, for his yeah. career. Um, Cousins is a 33% three-point shooter Embiid is 33.5 um, But this year Embiid's shooting 38% from three That's, that's pretty, that's pretty. Yeah, It is, that's very good Especially yeah. for a big, but just in general And if you just look at his form Alone, you can tell that he would naturally be a better shooter than, than a Cousins But 
his mid-range is what I love even more than his three. It's the fact that he has such a great face-up game. Like, he can do anything. Embiid, Embiid can do anything, man. Like, it's, it's, I think it's what you said about him before, that he gets bored. Yeah, yeah. That, that I think, is the thing. But I've watched Embiid take a guy into the post, back him down, back him down, rub his body into the guy, and then get an and one whenever he felt like it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I've watched Embiid do things. I'm like, if you just did that every time, yeah, there'd be no way to stop you. But I think he gets uninterested. I think there hasn't been a lot of pressure on Embiid. Yeah. You know, in the sense of like, buddy, you're you're starting to underachieve now. If yeah. you don't win, if you don't start to do historical things, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Because talent wise, he he is he is he's something that you yeah. know, and beat is something. And so, one of the things that that Philly's sort of um holding out hopes for is they're sensing a little bit of a disruption out over there in Brooklyn, and so they think mm-hmm. there's an opportunity to steal James Harden. So James Harden would reunite with Daryl Morey and Embiid and James Harden together looks like a, you know, pretty serious contender. So what do you think about that? You know, if you're, if you're Brooklyn, do you not risk losing Harden in the offseason and trade him now? And then if so, would you then get Ben Simmons if you're at Brooklyn? If I'm Brooklyn and I'm going to do something like that, I'm not going after Ben Simmons. Mm. I, I'd be looking somewhere else. Now, here, now, now here's the thing, because Harden has a half a year left on his contract, right? So you got to you got to think whatever team takes him, got to know that they're going to be able to keep him. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's the hard part, right? So you kind of need to know his destination, or and then get something back from return. But if a team knows that fact, they're not going to send you their their primary or best star. You're going to get, you know, you'll get a little ting, yeah. but you're not going to get the big ting. Well, but I think it's funny, actually, because I was listening to um, some of the pundits speaking about Harden and his history with team teammates and guys that were brought into Houston to be the co-star with him, you know what I mean? And and how he reacted and responded, whether it was Chris Paul and him not, him and Chris Paul not working out and him not really wanting Chris Paul there or him in Westbrook or him in Dwight Howard or, and I think you might end up running into a similar situation with him and Embiid. I don't necessarily think him and Embiid would mesh well in terms of their characteristics. Yeah. You know what I mean? And just their personalities. I don't I don't know if Harden would enjoy uh you know what I'm saying? I don't see that being a long term marriage, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah. I see that being a, a a trial and then eventually Harden saying, Nah, I'm good and then moving on. So I don't necessarily know that that lasts. I think that that wouldn't really be a place that Harden would want to stay. So Well if you're talking he trusted. He has that relationship with Maury. He trusts him. Maury's given him a bag. Um, and and you think when you think of Harden, you tried it with the only the big that they did try, which was Dwight Howard. Um, with Harden, that didn't obviously that marriage didn't really work out. 
but you never really got a chance to give him a prime big in his prime, like in in his mm-hmm. prime. So yeah. the, the players that you have given him are all point guards. And to be perfectly honest with you, we could all look at it now and say James Harden is a point guard. Yeah. So bringing another point guard, they're just gonna clash on the floor. But a big, you know, what I mean, you got a nice inside outside game. You got somebody taking a double team, and it frees you up. Like, yeah, it might, yeah, yeah. It, it might be something that it might be the best thing for his career. I don't see any other landing spots for him to go to because if he, he's talking about testing free agency, I'm like, bro, none of the teams that go? none of the teams that are good enough have cap space. And I think this is why when they're trying to make this Ben Simmons deal in Philly, they're saying you have to take Tobias Harris. You know? So they're trying to yeah. dump Tobias Harris contract, that that big, big contract. <laughs> they're trying to dump it to try to free up some space to say maybe we could go after Harden in the offseason, but no one has no one has money. Yeah. So if you're Brooklyn, do you say Bro, we can supermax you if you stay right here. Nobody else is going to be able to give you nothing. Or do you just say, screw it. Let's go after Simmons. I mean, I think Harden would be foolish to leave Kevin Durant. That's just the truth. Like, you'd be foolish. Unless you just wanted to do something on your own and you wanted to make a name for yourself outside of that. If there's an issue with that where you just don't like playing with them because whatever maybe you're you're being overshadowed which you're not because you they need you right now yeah. so you know i don't i don't there's no real logic behind it, especially if they can give him a lot of money too yeah so i don't see the reason why he would want to do something like that you know what i mean like for what they haven't been together that long yeah you know what i mean like it, i don't know you know if you're really trying to do something, anything, in any walk of life, any profession, how many people have ever walked into new situations and, and then have everything they ever wanted right away? Yeah. Like, that's just not realistic. So for him to want out because he just hasn't won yet, that's ridiculous. You yeah. know, if he doesn't, you know? Yeah, and I don't think he wants out. I think there's a media narrative that's being crafted here probably put out by Philly. You know what I mean? To stir things up. Yeah. But yeah. I don't like, I can't see him actually wanting out because you have to look at the marketplace. You have to look at what's happening right now in basketball. It's like, there is nowhere for you to go. Mm-hmm. You can't go to LA. It can't happen in any way, any stretch of the imagination. You can't go to LA, any of the LA teams. You can't go to golden state. You can't, you can't even go to Portland. You know what I mean? They're really like, you could go to Orlando. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? What? But it, that's that's kind of the point. There, there really is nowhere to go. Like, you tried to, you left Houston because you felt like you guys were no longer title contenders. You guys no longer had the ability to try to compete at the highest level. That window had passed, so you wanted out. I, I don't see him saying, okay, we got Kyrie, we got KD, I, I, you know, let me go test the marketplace and get. You know, five or ten million dollars a year versus getting a forty million dollar a year check. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nah, no, I, I don't no. see. I don't see it. Yeah, I don't. I don't see that as real. Yeah. You know what I mean? I yeah. think that's just hype for the for the whole 
trade deadline fiasco yeah. that's supposed yeah. to happen, but I don't, I don't see that as a real thing. That's why I was thinking the Sacramento thing made real sense. There's something real there, you know what I mean? Because Sacramento could use Ben Simmons, a guy that is a little bit of everything, and Philly. In my opinion, they need a dynamic ball handler. Yeah. You know, they need a guy that can have the ball in his hand that causes the defense to have to kind of be a little bit more focused on them, on that person, so that Embiid or whoever else can get some open looks and some free opportunity. And I think Fox is that type of guy. I think so too. But I think the two sides, somebody's going to have to buck. Like the, the Atlanta Hawks deal didn't make much sense to me. They were trying to sell, send on um, Bogdanovich um, and John Collins and Gallinari um, over there and, and take back um, Simmons and, um, and um, Tobias Harris. So the Atlanta Hawks thing was, it's like, it doesn't, I don't see it helping Philly that much. Um, I don't even see. I don't even think that really helps the Atlanta Hawks like that. Yeah, I don't think that's. A, I don't think that's a good move for them either. Yeah, they're just. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't really make much sense. Um, I think they just put it out there, just cause, yeah. but just to kind of see where the market was. But yeah, like I, I think that there's something. There might be something real in um Sacramento. I think so. I think so. I think so. But I think so. But if you're asking Sacramento to take Tobias Harris, <laughs> what are you willing you to know, give up? That's the problem. You know, it's funny. Every so often, a man or a, a person, a player, finesses the system. You know what I mean? <laughs> this guy. <laughs> I like to. You know what I mean? I'm sure Tobias Harris, as a man, is a great dude. It's funny, actually. I thought. Because years ago, I was like, you know, I'd like to train Tobias Harris. Because mm. I'm like, there's some potential there to be more dynamic. Yeah. I think a lot of trainers, you know, have made a living off of, you know, putting people through workouts versus teaching and, and, and helping players to evolve their skill set a little bit. Yeah. Because I look at Tobias Harris, I'm like, you know, again, he had a good season with the Clippers. So it looked like, yeah, it made sense. Billy, take Harris, and he'll get you guys to the next level. But you have to pay him a lot of money to get him. Yeah. And it just hasn't worked out. You know what I mean? And now you're in a situation with him where his, his, his price is too high. You know what I mean? And I think in Harris's case, I'm sure he doesn't like that he's in these trade talks, but he's almost a little bit safe because he's getting paid so much. But I'm like, man, you know, that sucks because who really wants to take Harris right now? You know what I mean? Like, you're getting a bit older. You're not the same. He's not necessarily a stat stuffer like that. You know, he'll get you a little bit of rebound. He might get a deflection here or there, maybe a steal once in a blue moon, but you're really getting him for, for just straight offense. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and he's not super explosive offensively either. So that's an expensive guy. You know what I mean? Like, that's a guy that is very expensive. Here's to make it more expensive. Um, Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons both have trade kickers. Meaning? 
So Ben Simmons has a 15% trade kicker. So if you trade him, he gets a 15% bonus by being traded. So the other team has to absorb that. Wow. And, and then Harris and, and and Harris has a, a five million dollar trade kicker. Yeah, there's a lot of money in the NBA. So, huh? but, yeah, but <laughs> but you're like, and that's the thing. Like you're you're asking, you're asking these both of these guys are making over sixty, close to seventy million dollars for this season, right? Just the two, just the two guys combined salaries, right? Mm. You're you're asking them to add on an extra twenty percent on top wow. of that to take these guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. So for for Sacramento, for a lot of teams, that's why they're like, bro, we're not giving like we're not giving you the world for Ben Simmons. There's no way. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're at, the the price is so high. Plus, we got to take Tobias Harris. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the guy's good. Like I think Tobias Harris is he's a good player. Yeah, but it's like he's making—he's gonna be making close to forty million dollars. That's a lot, man. You know what I mean? He got two years left on his contract after this year, so. You know, it's funny because we've talked, you know, off air, and I, I really want to make this point. Mm-hmm. How is how is Ben Simmons getting paid by refusing to play basketball? That- I, I can't. It's this this thing is really baffling my mind. It's one thing if you're injured, yeah, but for you to be capable of playing and then to say I'm not playing, but I still want every dollar that I'm owed. Hold, hold on, I don't understand how that works. But whose fault is it that he's not playing? His. He's you a blame, grown man who signed who signed a contract. What do you mean? So you blame him, and you're healthy. Playing. Absolutely. Why not? You sign the contract. Okay. You are healthy. Okay. You play. Okay. When do you, when does a grown man decide get to sign a contract with another co- with a company for a service and then decide that he doesn't want to perform that service, but he's <laughs> he wants you to pay him in full. That's what contracts are, right? Contracts have clauses. Contracts have a written agreement of what you're supposed to do. So, so here's the thing, and I, we've we've discussed this off air. But mm-hmm. if you turned around and said to him, you know, you paid him his money, you paid him the 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 max deal coming out of his rookie contract, and you know the following season doesn't go so great, and then he turns around to you and says, you know what, I don't want to be here no more. I demand a trade, and that that seems to be the theme. Of modern NBA, I don't want to be somewhere. I want to. I want out. I want to trade. Right. So mm-hmm. the team usually just says, "Okay, you know what? Get the hell out of here. Where do you want to go? Here, bye." You know what I mean? They do that and they let him go. Mm-hmm. Philly's saying, "Nah, we're not going to let you go, or or at least so easily. We're going to get rid of you, but we're going to take our time with it." So Philly's dragging their feet because again they're saying we want the world for this guy. And the world is saying, nah. Houston didn't even get the world for James Harden. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they didn't get the world for James Harden. So if that's the case, based on where Ben Simmons is currently right now coming out of that playoff series, you're not gonna get that. 
So Philly, well, so Philly is the one forcing forcing the issue. So now they turned around and he said, "I'm not showing up to training camp because he expected the deal to be done before the season started." And then it became clear that that wasn't going to take place. So they brought him back. But him being disgruntled and pissed off and not wanting to talk to his teammates, they just told him to get the hell out of here. Just go home yeah, and but, sit and wait. But so, those are the types of things that should allow for you to be fined by the team. Like, mm-hmm. again, once you, you have you have policies, okay. you have you have, you know, you have behavioral policies as well. Okay. So as a professional, yeah, you, you know, go to a hospital. Yeah. And the doctor is upset with somebody. Right. That doesn't mean now he stops talking to the nurse in surgery. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like you just <laughs> stop answering the call when they're calling for you. You know what yeah, I'm saying? I hear like, you. I hear you. You got to show up. You got to do your job. Yeah. And then as a professional, you make it known that you would like to be elsewhere, but you still act and operate as a professional. And if you don't, then you should be able to be fined by the team at the team's discretion. But, but what? Do and you- then maybe you can you can you can appeal it. Maybe you could take it to a board that can then look it over and say, okay, that was unfair. You owe him his money and pay him. But to just accept it and it to be just understood that I don't like it. I'm not going to respond to my teammates. I'm going to have a scout. I'm going to hoop with my phone in my pocket. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like I'm going to do everything to show that I don't want to be here, but I'm still going to get paid too. And it's their fault because they didn't get rid of me before this started. So that's there. It's on them. No, it's not. Okay. But you, but you see where the NBA set a, a, a terrible precedent. You, we talked about this on previous episodes where the trade for Vince Carter took place. Mm-hmm. And in that trade, the Raptors get Alonzo Mourning. And Alonzo Mourning says, I'm not even going over there. You guys, yeah. need, to, you guys need to trade me. I'm not even showing up to that <laughs> city. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and they obliged and sent him to Miami. And the guy left from the Nets and went straight to Miami like he knew that's where they were going to put him. Like, I need to be here. This is where you have yeah. to send me. Like, that that alone is yeah. kind of crazy. You know what I mean? So they set the stage with all of this stuff where the players now are making these demands. And, and the, the teams usually just say, fuck it. They just you know what I mean? They go for it. Steve Francis. Steve yeah, Francis. Mm-hmm. Got drafted. You imagine a rookie. You know what I mean? Yep. He gets drafted by Vancouver and says, I'm not going over there. That's a rookie. You know what yeah. I mean? So the Ben Simmons thing isn't the worst example. It's it's a long line of this taking place in the NBA for a while now. And it's and it's very hard to say, how do you but, but think about this. Think about this, though. They were finding guys for their dress code. Yeah, that's that's something simple. But but how could you find someone for the way they dress, but then not find someone for the way they act because in a professional setting? Like, and I guess that's the misconception here. Like, the NBA is high school, and it's not a professional setting. Mm-hmm. But it is. 
right? There's right. millions upon millions of dollars, billions of dollars involved here. Right. And you have a person who signed a multi-million dollar contract obligated to do a job. And again, it's fine if you don't want to, but why should the team have to pay you is the question here. Because that's the silver lining that's making this not work out for the Sixers right now is that Ben Simmons gets to do this and still get paid. If he was saying, look, I'm going to do this and I don't care if I get paid or not. So then when they take that money back and he's still willing to sit out, then fine. But I bet I guarantee you if that was the case, he'd be playing right now. But it's entertainment. That's the problem. So your product is selling people on the playing. And usually when guys play, the thing that draws them in is, is the passion, the creativity, you know what I mean, the, the competition. If you're not engaged on a basketball floor, it's unwatchable. I'm not watching that. No one's watching that. TV ratings goes down. Advertisers lose interest. So the guys you want on the basketball floor need to be engaged. So if mm-hmm. you just tell a guy, like, you have to go out there and play no matter what. If he's not happy playing that's a terrible product you know what i mean people lose money because of that so you don't even, you don't but, but, uh, you, you don't want but, someone like him even on the floor if Scottie he's not going to be engaged scotty pippen wasn't happy yeah and he still balled i mean <laughs> he did burn the bulls in the final season we all saw the last dance yes but when he did get on that floor he played and I think when a man steps on that floor, it's not so simple and so easy to just coast and then get destroyed by the other guy. Number one, because people are watching. So whoever it is you desire to play for is also watching. So, but I do, so your reputation. But I do think this, you know what I mean? You brought up Scottie Pippen. I do think, and this is the difference with him and in the Philly situation. When Scottie Pippen did what he did, it wasn't like Jordan was hate, like you know what I mean, like what was punking him publicly. You know what I mean? It wasn't like um, Phil Jackson was saying anything. It wasn't like the team was really going at him. It was just like, bro, like you know what I mean. You could have did this, but whatever. It's no big deal, mm-hmm. right? It wasn't mm-hmm. like the Philly situation because what what really came out is everybody looked at like Ben Simmons, like you fucked up, you take the blame. You know what I mean? And no one was standing with him. So it's not like, because things that came out in the in the press conferences was like, you know, do you blame Ben Simmons for what took place? And it was like, the simple answer would have been like, nah, no. Can't blame Ben Simmons based on what he's done for 40 minutes, what he's done for us every night, what he's done to us for us throughout the season. That shows that you're watching this guy's body of work. You're seeing that he's engaged. You see that he cares. Maybe he made a boneheaded mistake on the floor, but you don't let that hang as your teammate. So he's seeing that none of these guys in this organization as a brotherhood have my back. I don't want to be here. I can't perform with a bunch of people who don't want me. You know what I mean? So yes, he has, so yes, he has a job to do, right? But he's saying the job you want me to do, which is entertain. I can't entertain like this. You know, like, mm. you know, if you, if you think of like um, singers, they won't perform on stage if they don't have the right sound guy. This is not my guy. I can't do this. Like, th- 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 it's, it's that. 
it's 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 that level of I would say but they but they lose but they would also lose money. And that's my only point. It's not whether he should be mad or not. It's that you can't be allowed to refuse to play because like you said, the precedence is setting. But, but right now, he didn't refuse to play to, to stop playing. You know what I mean? Philly sent him home. That's the difference. So yeah, you gotta pay him. He didn't he didn't it's not like he said I'm not playing. He said it initially, then he showed up to work. He showed up. I guess just, yeah, I guess just, the media. You just didn't like when he showed up. You just didn't like what you got from him. So you told him to go home. But it really isn't his fault. That's the problem. Oh, me. I mean, I wouldn't say it's not his fault, but I would <laughs> say that <laughs> I wouldn't say that because again, like professionalism is important. So I do believe that there's a level of professionalism that he has to operate with. But I also, I, I think the media did kind of change the, the way that it's being presented so that I would believe that he's refusing because they'll say things like, yeah, he's willing to sit out the rest of the season. So that makes it seem like it's his choice not to play. Right. You know what I mean? Like that, that's a different way that it's being presented. So, yeah, if I'm Philly, I'm calling them up and saying, suit up. You just not on the floor. But but again, you're Philly. You're still trying to win a champion. You still feel like, fuck, no matter what, we still got to try to win a championship. Regardless of him or if he's on the floor or not. So you might get him back, but based on his presence, might be, it, it may not be good for the morale of the locker room. It may not be good for Embiid. It may not be good for Doc. You know what I mean? So... Yeah. You know what? I think it would be good for the morale of the locker room. Why? Because, because locker rooms have different characters all the time. That's what the last dance showed. Rodman was doing Rodman. Rodman wasn't in the mix. Rodman said himself he never talked to Jordan and Pippen <laughs> at all. And it still worked because he understood his job. Right. And I think that's the thing that's being misunderstood right now is that this is not about a friendship. It'd be nice. It does show that it helps. But what shows that really works is when people understand their job and their role and they execute those to the best of their ability because they're getting paid to do that. And yeah. that's what I think is missing right now with the Sixers. You guys are making this like this is a high school team. Well, you're sending a man home instead of thinking about it like we're professionals here. The, the whole NBA... It's fresh out of high school. This is, but that this, doesn't mean that the whole league, in terms of the staff and the organization and the managers, have to treat them like that, though. But, but they have to. You have to treat them with kid gloves. Because you Why? know, what? because the product that you're selling now is youth. You're no longer dealing with men. You know what I mean? So you got to deal with children like children. You got to deal with them with a little bit of a nicer tone. These guys. From and we talked about this, from they were in AU from the earliest levels, these guys have been pampered. These guys were superstars at that point. These guys were going to take care of grown men. These guys had this ability from they were kids. So, yeah, these guys are used to being catered to. So, you have to treat them like that. You definitely don't. <laughs> you, you, you could choose you can choose to but the second but that then, I'm but then you, if you don't choose to then you don't get the talent and you want that talent 
I don't agree. I think you, I think you get the talent with a culture. And I think winning is the most attractive thing there is. Deep. So I don't necessarily think that okay, okay. being, a, you know what I mean? Coddling kids, as you're saying, instead of challenging young men to grow up into men. I think all before there was the NBA for those same young kids you're talking about, there was college. There was culture of a North Carolina, mm-hmm. of a Duke, you're right. of these Michigan states, et cetera, yep. where those same young kids had to go into that setting and smarten up in order to be allowed to be a part of that team. Yep. So why would that not be still applicable to the professional ranks? Because it's, it's, it's you know what I mean? Like, why would all of a sudden that not exist? Because there's, it's there's a, a choice. There, hold on. There's a different standard for a one and done player than a guy who, who may be at that school for four years. There's a different standard for them. You know what I mean? The guy who, mm-hmm. if I play well enough, maybe I'll get a shot at the league versus the guy like, I'm only here, I'm gonna, then I'm going to go to the league next year. He knows. He knows where his draft stock is. Agents are calling. You know what I mean? Shoe mm-hmm. companies are, are waiting in the wings. They've already had conversations. That's the difference. That guy is a completely different human being from a guy like a Mike Malcolm Brogdon. You know what I mean? Or, or a Desmond Bain. Those are the professionals you're talking about. If, if, you, if, you, if you cursed out Desmond Bain, I guarantee you he's going to be on the floor the next day. That's a professional. But he's, he's, he's grown into being a, a young man. You know what I mean? Who understands that level of responsibility? These guys just see themselves as a talent. And that talent has gotten them whatever they've wanted their entire lives. So why shouldn't it be that now? I think, I think I understand what you're saying. I think it's just, I think it's a choice that's being made to allow it. Mm. You know, I think it's, I think it's just a choice. I think you're going to adapt to whatever the environment is that you're walking into regardless. Yeah. And especially when it comes to some real dough that's on the table, if they enforce rules on you, yeah. you're going to obey. Like Iverson was the guy. Yeah. But when they told him that he had to wear a suit or else, he wore it. I never seen him wear because a suit. Iverson tried. He didn't probably <laughs> wear a full probably, <laughs> probably wasn't a full blown suit. That guy but he tried. In Tim's, bro. That guy he tried. That guy paid the fine. He paid the fine. But that's it though, right? There has to be some degree of consequence. And that I think is why a lot of these teams are not having great results. Yeah. Because it's funny actually. It makes me think of Houston and, and what happened with um Kevin Porter Jr. Yeah, yeah. And how he walked out of the walked out of the um the stadium or right, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And 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 the you know, the consequences or lack thereof you know, that, that there was for him. And I'm like, man, the saddest part is that that young man may never become as great as he could be because there's no consequences, really. That's yeah. the saddest part. You know what I mean? Is yeah. that you're actually, you're actually hurting him by not putting barriers and rules and lines in place. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, that's the saddest part. That's why I say choice, because these guys do what they're allowed to do. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. It's not that they couldn't listen. 
half of these guys, if their mom walked in the room, they would, they would straighten up. <laughs> you know what I mean? They would. So I think the, you know, the perception might've been changed now, but at the end of the day, man, money is, is a, is a powerful motivator, man. And if you, if you make these guys know that they're going to lose that for real, they will smarten up, man. I just think that nobody cares enough. The guys that are running the league and running these teams, they just don't care. You know, they really don't. Like, there's only, I think, I think there's only a couple franchises in the NBA right now that care about winning. And then the others care about what you said, entertainment. Here's, here's, what, here's what I think. And sorry, did you finish that point? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Here's what I think. If you look at the old NBA, look at look at the look at the Jordan teams in that Jordan era, right? How many front office decisions do you think Michael Jordan made with the Chicago Bulls? Do you think he was I need this guy in the offseason, I need you to trade for this person, I need you to do all of that kind of stuff? Do you think he was the decision maker? No, I think they can. They consulted him. I, I think you know from what he said, the only consultation he ever got, or they asked him about it because it was such a a closeness, was was the Rodman one. True, you know what I mean. But they didn't ask him about Kuko. They didn't ask him about anybody. He he wanted Charles Oakley, and they're like, nah, mm. get this kid, Scottie Pippen. You know, no, it wasn't. Was it was it Forrest Grant? They they moved. Oakley for Grant. They let go of Charles Oakley to get to keep to bring in Horace Grant. You're, I think you're right, but yeah. they let you know. What I mean, they they sent Oakley away when when Jordan was like, "Bro, I want this yeah. guy." So those guys didn't get to make those decisions. There was a difference between the the front office and the players, right? You play, we deal with paperwork, we deal with travel, we deal with whatever. There's a difference. I think now in, in modern basketball, you're getting these guys where now they're turning around and they're being GMs. LeBron James is dictating what the Lakers do. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's yeah. telling them, yo, I need you to get me this guy. Or I need you to do this. Or I need you to do that. That's what's being shown. It's that level of command in an organization. If you don't give me what I want, I'm out. That's that's the the thing that we're saying. Well, are we okay with this? You know, the game has changed to that because if you don't give the superstar what he wants, or you don't treat him a certain way, he will end up leaving you, and that costs the franchise money. It costs them the value of the organization. So if you're the owner, you're saying, okay, the franchise is worth, you know, two billion dollars. If I still have this guy based on jersey sales and everything, advertising dollars, but if this guy turns around and walks, I'm gonna lose maybe five hundred million in the value in valuation. I'm not really willing to risk that. So give him whatever he wants and keep him happy. The second he now becomes unhappy, you gotta move on that product because he's gonna drag down. He's gonna drag you down. So for Philly, I'm looking at them. I'm saying, I, I, to be honest with you, I would have just moved off of Ben Simmons. I don't know what they think that they're going to get. They're not going to get what they think they're going to get. 
it's clearly established they're not going to get Damian Lillard and they're not going to get any of these guys. So when you think about it, for him, it's like, yeah, in the real world, you have to work with people you don't like. That's yeah. just that's just real life. But for him, he doesn't have to. Or he can, but the product could wane. Because you've seen what happened in Houston when Harden demanded the trade. And they say, no, you have to go out there and play. He played. And they were like, mm-hmm. we need to get rid of this guy. Because <laughs> if he's going to continue playing like this, it's just a waste of time. That's what I'm talking about. You don't want Ben Simmons walking out on that floor with a half-assed, you know what I mean, effort. You just don't... You, the fans aren't going to appreciate that. I think I let that ride, personally. I think I let that ride. I think I sent him out there, and you're going to play, brother. Especially because he's not Dan Tuck. He doesn't have the ball in his hands the whole time. We don't completely depend on him so much like Houston did with Harden. So you're going to be on the floor, and that's it. And and if you choose to devalue yourself, we'll work with whatever you are. You know what I mean? Like, we'll work with what you are, bro. But he's not you just devaluing I mean? himself because you still got to pay him. Let somebody else pay him. That's what I would look at. Screw it. Well, but I mean, if you could have done that, which it's not happening right no, now. No, it can be done. It's just what you're asking for is unreasonable. It's unreasonable. Mm-hmm. The guy would have been somewhere else doing whatever. You, what you're asking for, in in today's NBA market, it just it doesn't make sense. It it really it really doesn't. So so, do you think Ben Simmons can become a real bona fide star in the NBA? Do you think he has it in him? Yeah, I think so. I think I think the only thing that you would call into question is is his heart, his hunger. How much does he actually want it? I think. <laughs> I think if I had to look and say, does this motivate him? Is, is, is the media backlash that came out, is that enough of a motivation to drive him? He's athletic. He's 6'10". He can handle the ball. He has, he has everything. He has all the intangibles you would look for. You know what I mean? The downside to him is like offensively, you're like, he's not as polished as you would like. He's not as aggressive as you would like. But does this last little while, does that pay up playoff series? Is Was that enough to put some fire in him to come back and be like, I want to prove something to everyone? That's going to be the question for Ben Simmons. You know what I mean? That's going to be the question for the next organization who is going to go out and get him. Because yeah. if you're Sacramento, you're saying, do you move on De'Aaron Fox? We know what we're getting with De'Aaron Fox. We know. It may not be perfect, but we know what we're getting from De'Aaron Fox. You don't know what you're going to get from Ben Simmons. And that's the thing. So you can go out there and make that move for De'Aaron Fox or Ben Simmons. And then you get him. And then it's like, okay, he's not motivated. He's not this or he's not that. And he's kind of a prima donna. We screwed up. Or it's like, wow, we got to steal. And that's what everybody's hoping for. But... Who's really willing to gamble that much? In today's NBA, probably not. And that's where I, I'm looking at Philly like, bro, like, you guys don't have a lot of options. And as the years go on, and if you let this season pass and if you let this trade deadline pass, 
You guys are just going to put yourself in a bind. You guys could literally go and get one or two players right now who can help Embiid in a playoff yeah. series. Philly's good enough right now to make a run at it. Yeah. This year, they're good enough. Yeah. What are we doing? Yeah. What are we waiting for? Make a move. So if they said to me, for instance, and we talked about this in the previous segment, but if they if you say to me, De'Aaron Fox, and and then you guys are willing to take Tobias Harris, screw the first round picks. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. You so know, Fox. give me give me Buddy Healed and De'Aaron Fox, and you take Harris and you take and 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 Simmons, yeah. Buddy. I'm good. We're ready. We're ready to rock. Let's go. I mean, let's go into the playoffs and and let's get busy. I'm I'm okay with that. So I don't. I I think Philly is being really really ignorant at this point. <laughs> yeah, I think that I think they're overplaying it. I would do exactly what you're saying. I take that and we keep it moving. And now we move on and we build the team that we're trying to build. Like I think NBA again. Embiid is playing at a level right now that. If he just gets some help, like, and he has help, but I mean, if he can get some talented help yeah. in that point guard position and then have a guy like Field who can get scorching hot with still Seth Curry running around. And there's some other guys that they have. Oh, yeah. I think, I think they, I think it would be interesting. I think, I think Embiid is that much of an issue. He's a problem. That, He's a problem. Yeah. He's a problem. Yeah. He really is. So, so yeah, I think Philly, Philly's going to put themselves in a hard spot if they let this season, if they let this trade deadline pass. Yeah. And yeah. something doesn't happen. I think, I think the clock is ticking for Philly. Yeah. Like, I would I call, think. I would even call San Antonio and be like, what's the price for DeJounte Murray? Mm. What's the, what's the price? That kid's a problem. Good. That kid's a problem. Good. I'd call up a couple um, places and ask what the price is on certain guys. He's one because the team is sort of, you know, San Antonio is definitely in some sort of a rebuild phase, so you might be able to s- sneak him by. I, I'd I'd still call Denver and be like, "What's the price for Jamal Murray?" You know, I I'd, don't know if that helps though. I'd ask, "What's the price on Shea Gill, just Alexander?" That would be expensive. I'm not, but you know what I mean? If you're trying to win it, I'm asking. So, like, that's what I think Philly should really be doing. Like, quit playing games, man. Just get him beat what he needs and, and, and just move forward. Like, what do you want? So how do you, what do you think if they call up the Raptors and say, what's the price on Van Fleet and, and, and Siakam? What do you think? What would I say if I'm Toronto? Yeah. <sighs> For Ben and Tobias, Van Fleet and Siakam, uh, give me give me thigh ball and I think we got a deal. That's I'd be okay with that. You got to throw in thigh ball. Mm, that's a hard one. I really like Van Fleet a lot. He's a he's a leader. He has a ton of heart. But Ben Simmons, man, you really don't know. Like that's could, the thing. That's 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 what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? But is he worth the gamble on a team that you look at the Raptors, you're saying, you guys are okay. You know what I mean? You guys will be okay for a while. But it's it's just not there. 
It's, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But this guy, if he's motivated, this guy could turn into something. And that's the yeah. thing, like, <laughs> can we do yeah. something with yeah. this guy? So, yeah, I, th- I think I, I would, I would, I would do it. Take the risk. I would, I would take that risk. I would do that. I would do that. But Philly, yeah, like, there's. I don't know. Yeah, someone needs to. We'll see. I think this, the 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 little things that they should have done, in my opinion, you knew the whole Ben Simmons thing was sort of there. So I don't, I don't know why he just didn't give Schroeder five million to come over there. I think that would have been a simple solution. Why didn't you give Kemba five million to come over there? That's the real question. Why didn't everyone ask for Kemba in general? Right. Well, well even even the Lakers. I'd be like, what's what's the price on Goran Dragic? Like, that's where I'm looking and saying, what are we? These are these are simple little stop gaps that you could have used. And and this is Doc Rivers is running the show right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, people have their points of view on how he runs things sometimes. So mm-hmm. maybe he's not he's he's not trying to have certain combos. Maybe you know, it's a that's a tricky one, man. When you have a guy running that was running the coach spot and the GM spot at the same time, yeah, that's uh, uh, a weird one. I, I I've always been kind of weary of stuff like that, you know. But I don't know. Sixers are a funny place, man. I think. I think they're feeling some pressure here, so I'm curious. I'm curious to see how this thing plays out, man. But there's a couple other places that I'm still watching, and I wonder what they're gonna, what they're really going to blossom into. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I really would like to still see like what happens. Does Denver become the team that can really make a, a challenge for the chip? Like, do you think that they could do it? Do you think that they they have what it really takes? Like I know Jokic is nice. It's yeah. funny too. Dallas is starting to to get Start comfortable cooking. now. They're, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Luca's Luca's balling again. <laughs> yeah, Luca's yeah. really balling again. Like, but I'm also wondering what's going on with the Hawks for real. Like, because I don't know if that's the trade. Like trying to get Ben Simmons. I think they, they, they pulled the trigger early on Cam Reddish. I think Cam Reddish actually was potentially the perfect fit for them. I just think they never allowed him to blossom enough. I think, everyone, I think they pulled... Go. Everyone's waiting on Cam Reddish. I, you know what? I've been waiting on Cam Reddish every game. I watch every Duke game. And I'm still waiting on Cam Reddish. That's, it's the, it, he's the guy you're looking at like, has all of the intangibles, all of them, all of them to be great. Like you, you look at him, you're like, is this guy, this, this guy could be Jason Tatum, but you're waiting on it. So there's something there that's sort of missing. Like, I I, I don't know. Is it motivation? What is it? So I don't, I don't necessarily see Jason Tatum. I think I see more like a Joe Johnson, like, maybe, you know, maybe, but six, seven could handle, you know, a little bit of everything. But he's just not doing it, you know. So, yeah, for him, yeah, I, I think do, do I think, you think that's Trey Young's fault. Do you think Trey Young's not letting him do? Wasn't letting him do it? That, that's a, a lot of teams going to have to have this discussion with the type of players that they have. Trey Young is such a high usage type guard, sort of like Luca. 
to be honest yep. with you. Um, so what, whatever, whoever is, he, he needs a bunch of catch and shoot type guys around. Yeah. Him. You know, he needs guys that are just rim, rim running bigs, you know, and that, that's why Clint Capella was such a, actually a good pickup for him, you know, screen and roll, run to the rim. He told, he throws a lob. John Collins is sort of like that. And he just needs guys that, you know, catch and shoot. I don't yeah. think so. Someone like Cam Reddish, maybe he needs the ball. Maybe he needs to pound it a little bit. Maybe he needs to, to be the one dictating and handling it and doing all of that stuff. And if he doesn't, he's not a true catch and shoot guy. So, yeah, his his game doesn't flourish playing with a guy like yeah. Trey. But you're looking at Trey. You're like the guy at times is giving you twenty five and fourteen. Yeah. You know what he's I mean. So if he's, really, he's so. Nice. Exactly. So if he's performing, you're like, yeah, I'd like to see what you can become, but this guy's going right now, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah. I got to just let him do his thing. You got to be able to coexist in his world. And he just, you know, yeah. You know, it's funny though, because I watch a guy like Trey, right? And how nice he is. And I'm like, man, I think back to the old point guards. I'm like, could those point guards have done this if they were given the opportunity? Yeah. yeah. You know, because I'm like, what's better? What What would you consider better to be? The guy who can almost dumb himself down a little bit for the betterment of the whole? Or the guy that just, he's just zero to a hundred. Like, there is no in between. You know what I mean? Like, and he's not even going to have a thought about anything else because yeah it makes me think of isaiah thomas i was listening to the to the uh podcast that he was on uh katie and and his buddy's podcast yeah and i'm listening to isaiah thomas talking they're asking him about him and how well he would do in this current nba and he kind of just kind of chuckled and was like i think i'd do all right you know and you sit here and i was thinking about that too like yeah if you let if you take a guy like him isaiah thomas and you just let him run wild. You know what I mean? You just say, just shoot it to your heart's content. Don't even worry about nobody. Like, they're just going to get off when they can. But we want to sell your jersey. We want to pack the seats for people to come and see you. We don't even... Winning isn't even more important, almost. You know what I mean? Like, it's you then winning, then the rest of the guys. Because I'm sitting here, I'm like... As we're talking about Trey, I'm like, maybe he needs to consider allowing himself to be a little more traditional so that a guy like Cam Reddish could become what he really has the potential to be. You know, because Isaiah even said it. He's like, a lot of these teams, they've been convinced that playing exactly the same way, playing like every other team yeah. is going to lead to the same success as maybe the best versions of that. Right. Which would be probably the Warriors or something. Right. You know? Yeah. Whereas he's like, nah, you guys got to play different styles based on your personnel. And then adjust that way versus trying to fit these guys into a mold that doesn't suit them. You know? So I'm sitting back and I'm watching this and I'm like, is that the reason why maybe the Hawks is not had the success this year that they should or that people think they should because yeah. I'm like maybe yeah maybe maybe you need to pull Trey back a little 
and say, no, we need you to be even more efficient. Take a few less shots. Make sure your jumper is that much more polished so that you're still getting close to your numbers with less shots so that other guys can get more shots or be featured a little bit more in our offense. So John Collins had had a little, he's always, I think for the last couple of years, he's had a little spat back and forth with Trey Young just on Trey's usage rate and things he does in games. So, yeah, does he need to take a step back? I think the hard part is he does perform statistically, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when you've seen him in this last little run when he went to the playoffs, the guy the guy did something for you that you haven't been able to do in a while, right? And you watched it mm-hmm. right there on national TV. He is your biggest star. You don't want to see him go. So, again, you have to cater to him to make him happy, right? How many people are willing to have this tough conversation? I think... I think what you're saying that the, the the truest thing missing in the NBA is an actual coach, a real coach, a coach with command, a coach who's coaching his team and they listen. When you watch the NBA, the, these guys have no; these guys don't care who the coach is. These guys aren't listening. But if you look at let's say Golden State, I think they're actually listening to Steve Kerr. I think they're taking Steve Kerr's instructions, and I think he's really coaching that team. I think he could be hard on some of the players when he needs to be. You know what I mean? He could bench a guy. He could say some things to do whatever, and the guys take it in and say, yes, coach, no coach. You know what I mean? They allow him to be a coach. They allow him to be tough. They allow him to do whatever. If he's allowed to get on Steph, and Steph says, okay, coach. You know, Jordan had that. Isaiah had yeah. that. All of those guys had coaches, mm-hmm. men that were allowed to command and say, you can't do that. I don't care if your name is Isaiah Thomas. I don't care if your name is Michael Jordan. Right? Yeah. And and it put limits on their ego. Ex- you know, like... Exactly. Right? Exactly. So, these guys now, they, they're cycling through coaches. Some, 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 I've seen teams that cycle through three coaches in a season. It's so yeah. ridiculous. You know? A guy gets off to... Now nah, we're done with him. Now nah, nah, we don't like that. Oh, this player doesn't like you. You got to go. It's so yeah. simple. The, the star player goes to the team and says, I don't want this coach. I want him gone. Like, that's that's enough for him to be like, yeah. I, I don't want somebody telling me what to do. I, I do what I do. This is this is the problem in the league, like you're saying. So for someone like Atlanta, who's in charge? That's the question, isn't it? Right. You know, ultimately... What is it that you're trying to do and who's actually in charge? Because Michael Jordan had to listen to Phil for the Bulls to become the the great Bull dynasty of the 90s. Even he, the great Michael Jordan coming off of a 37-point-per-game season, had to be like, all right, what do you want me to do? Pass? Give up the ball? You know, like, yeah, you got to trust somebody else. So he had to take a step back. When he's at the height of his powers, they're telling him, nah, bro, pull back. We got to play a team game. And he listened. So these NBA players right now, I think that's the thing that you're having. So with Doc, Doc probably coached the last group of adults in the NBA, which was Garnett, Pierce, and Ray Allen, right? And he could get on KG, 
he can get on Pierce. He can get on Ray Allen. So the stuff that he's doing and that he's leaning on, like, yo, this is who I am. And he comes into a situation in Philly and says, I'm going to get on Simmons. If Simmons doesn't react well to it, you lost him. But why won't he react well? Because he's not used to being coach. You know, his AAU coach is probably just a guy. Like, yo, just go out and do your thing. His high school coach, yeah, you know, do your thing. College was kind of a joke for him. So he's not used to being screamed at or yelled at or blamed for anything or being held accountable. So if that's the case, you have to be careful with that guy. But he's seeing a modern NBA where the players are in charge. The players dictate. The players demand. The players are the GMs. The players are the coaches. The players run the front office. The players, you know what I mean? The inmates are now running the asylum, essentially. I don't like, I don't love that analogy, <laughs> you know. I heard it but somewhere, but yeah, that's. I've heard it before, too, you know. <laughs> I, I feel you. And, and I mean, it sounds pretty accurate in the extreme sense, you know, so to paint the picture. But yeah, I mean, I think, I think this is where the public, maybe, and the fans, start to help the game out a little bit, yeah. you know, and start to change the expectation of what is a great product again, you know? And I think a place like even New York is one of those places where that trend can start to, to take hold again, where it's like, we just ask you to operate from certain principles and certain key things that we hold dear to, you know, that work ethic, the, the, the effort and just doing it the right way even you know what I mean taking guys and building something instead of trying to import people to, to speed up a process you know what I mean I think that will help teams to realize that you don't have to cater to a guy that is a bad cancerous type of guy on your team you know what I mean if you need to trade the guy trade the guy because no one's bigger than the program you know, and I think that needs to go back to where it was. The thing that the Raptors, I think, showed was that, yo, if you get a bunch of guys that come together and work hard and sacrifice, you can still win. Right. You can have success and you can have an extremely loyal fan base. Yep. You know what I mean? And I think that that's what has to continue to reign supreme in order for the game to almost kind of stay as pure as it can. So that these guys can be emboldened and be ready to say, look, if you're a cancerous guy, we're going to trade you. And the, the people who support continue to support either way. Right. You know, I think that will give some power to the teams because if this continues, what superstar is going to create a situation where he has less opportunity to show everyone how great he is? Right. That's, that's very unlikely. Everyone thinks they're going to hit the next shot. They're going to make the next right play. So in order for you to kind of save them from themselves a little bit, you have to be above their desire and need all the time to have everything revolve around them. And the teams that are starting to do that a little or who are having a little bit of success, if you watch and you look around the league, a lot of those teams are teams with, stars that are selfless mm-hmm. you know what i mean like what's happening in denver 
Nobody really knew that this was going to happen with Jokic. Yeah. But look at the culture that he's bringing to that team because of his personality. Right. You know what I mean? So I think, and again, it almost serves to, to, to make your point about that whole Kentucky analogy. Yep. And the AAU analogy. Yep. You know, I, I think it does show itself to be true. Like when a guy is able to just focus on the game for even jaw, you know what I mean? Yeah. Even the way, you know, like you look at the teams that are having success and it's the ones without a ton of ego and a ton of, you know, drama going on there. Yeah. Yeah. Realistically, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. so I agree. I, I, I agree with you, you know. I really do. It's funny because it made me think of Garland, actually. Yeah. Because I've been stressing how good I think he is, and I'm almost getting mad at him because he's not. He's. It's almost like he doesn't see himself as what he could be. He's so interested in being what the team needs. Right. So it's like I'm like kind of conflicted because I'm like, man, this kid could be extremely good, and he's kind of just showing it here and there. And Have then, you seen what's been going on? There? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like I think they're they're about one and a half games out of first place. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm looking at them like these guys might end up being the number one seed. Can you imagine that shit? If That's the Cleveland crazy. Cavaliers are the number one seed going into the playoffs, that'd be hilarious. That would be crazy, <laughs> and it would be great at the same time. And and let me say this too: most likely, Mobley's gonna get rookie of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, yeah, that, this, really yeah, it's over. Barring injury, you know, knock on wood for him. But yeah, like, it, I, yeah, it's a runaway for him at this point. So yeah, it's it's set in stone, man. They gotta, they got at least. I I say that they should have at least one guy in the All Star game, if not two. You know. Yeah. So yeah. I'm rooting for that team, man. Like they're 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 proving the whole NBA like. This whatever formula everyone else is working off of, these guys are laughing in the face of that right now. Yep. You know? Yep. And they got one of their veteran players coming off the bench in Kevin Love and not pouting or making it difficult for the coaches. Right. And and that's the thing about being coached and being coachable at the same time. You know? So yep. and and Kevin Love's a product of a great university like UCLA. You know, so he understands that that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? He wasn't a one and done type of talent that came out of college. Great high school player, but, you know, work developed, got into the league, did his thing. So he understands sacrifice. He he sacrificed to be the third the third wing on that LeBron championship team. So he gets it. He gets it. And and I think he understands, too, like the, the power of the NBA you want to be seen as a good guy in the face of front offices. Or you could be blackballed. You know what I mean? So you're watching guys like, you know, unfortunately, DeMarcus Cousins, who's having a tough time just sticking right now. And yeah. he's, Kevin Love is kind of in that stratosphere. So you could either be the guy that says, yeah, sixth, seventh man, I'm cool. Or you could be the guy that's going to be, I'm never coming off the bench. And they're like, okay. All right. Yeah. You'll never you might never play again, you know what I mean, in the league. So I think what he's doing is smart and it's working. It's proven it's to be work. successful. So I you agree. stick with it. So man, that team man. 
If they, yeah. they end up the number one seed, I swear to God. It throws a ton of things out the window, right? It throws analytics out the window. It throws all kinds of stuff that people were made to believe to be true out of the window. I think the, the catering and the coddling, it produces habits that lead to a lot of unforced errors, a lot of laziness, a lot of things that you'll see on the floor that each one of those things adds up. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? You get you get a situation where guys think they're too good to dive on the floor. Guys think they're too good to sacrifice their offense for the sake of trying to lock down a great shooter or a great scorer. Yep. One of the greatest examples, and shout out to Kobe. I think they're celebrating his, you know, two years of him not being here. Yep. And... Kobe went into the Olympics with LeBron and Melo and all of them and said, I'm not even going to score. I'm just going to lock down the best player on the other team. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm here to do. Mm-hmm. I'm here to play D only. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like to the point that Krzyzewski had to go to him and say, oh, yo, all right, man, enough for this defense thing. We need you to score right now so we can beat Spain. Yeah. So, you know, like, but the fact of the matter is, is this is Kobe. This is a guy that's the best scorer on the floor, probably. Yeah. And he's willing to sacrifice for the sake of the team. And I just think that that's an underestimated piece of what winning is. And I, I, I'm excited for teams like Cleveland, where they, they're more defensive oriented. Yeah. You got all these long shot blocking guys. The thing that the, I was listening to them talk about Mobley that they love so much about him is he's very similar to Garnett in the fact yeah. that he can switch onto a little guard. Mm-hmm. And that his ability to move his feet, his ability to, to, to switch like that creates all kinds of dynamics defensively, which disrupt a lot of these offensive players. And lo and behold, it's creating more opportunities for Cleveland. Right. So defense is one of those things that is not really talked about when it comes to analytics and winning, but it actually is a factor here. Yeah. Yeah. So Cause the, cause the I find it interesting. Shoot more. You know what I mean? Shoot better than the other team and you should win. You know, nobody factors in defense. Like you're, you're yeah. completely right. I think I want to pose this at you before we go. I want to pose this question to you. You know, what do you do when the team and the organization burns the player? Because we've seen that. So that's the other side of the coin. You've also seen guys who gave everything they had to organizations to then be tossed away. Yeah. You know what I mean? With no care in the world. And I think that's the hard part. So you see somebody like an Isaiah Thomas where it's like, Hey man, you did everything you were supposed to do. Great leader. Yeah. You you helped the franchise win. You did a lot of great things for us, but <laughs> I really want Kyrie. So you gotta go. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that yeah. that's that's the that's the hard part. When these guys start giving everything they have to you and then you burn them. So now you have play people being like, nah, I'm never going down that road. I don't care. I don't care. Should I go yeah. and play injured? I could, but I won't. Why not? Because <laughs> these guys might burn me. So you yeah. think someone like Kawhi Leonard, who's been 
I think he's been load managed, you know, for the last couple of years. He's injured this year, obviously, but when he was when he came back from Toronto, they had to load management him. He missed like twenty games just just on that, and then he went to the Clippers, and it still keeps up. Where in that scenario, he's like, no, I'm not, I'm not playing when I should because you guys will burn me. I'm not trying to get burned. You know what I mean? Yep. That's a good example, especially the load managing aspect of it and, and, and just making sure that he's healthy because he's going into maybe a contract year or something. I mean, I think I'm I'm not a I'm not gonna say that those things are not factors. I think I just think there's a lot of peer pressure type of things that used to be in the NBA that really did help the product of the NBA. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there really was an expectation that you were going to be loyal to the team. You're going to be loyal to the city. You're going to give everything you have. And that you're almost like Rocky. You know what I mean? Like they, they, they cheer you, they, they root for you. And that, that almost was more important than the money, more important than the ring more important than all of it, you know, was the people. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that that's what it used to really be about. Mm-hmm. Like, it used to be about the reception that you got when you walked through the streets mm-hmm. and the way that the people loved you. Now, it's like, you know, you have shades on behind tinted windows. <laughs> you, know what I mean? you know what I mean? Like, you don't want to, you know, like, and I think, when those types of things change, then it becomes very, very difficult to to find the happy medium because a lot of the legends didn't didn't walk away with all the money and all the rings. No, you know, and I and and the people didn't love them any less. Yeah. So you know what I mean. So I think. I think the fans and the people watching have to continue to remind the people who do do it the right way how much they appreciate them for it. You know, whether it's you walking into restaurants and don't have to pay or people just do these kind things for you because they appreciate service. You know, like I think those little things have to be accounted for when it comes to this stuff or else it just becomes dollars and cents. Right, and it can be very, it can get real selfish, and it can get real ugly at that point. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. yeah, you're gonna hold out. You're gonna, you're gonna see a little kid who, who paid his money, and may never get another shot to see you. And instead of you playing, you're sitting on the sideline chuckling because you played yesterday. Right, and 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 we're not trying to take the risk of you rolling an ankle when you're fatigued coming yeah. off of that game. You know what I mean? Like those things, those things start to not be considered when the decisions are being made. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I will say this, that's why most of these guys will not be in the conversation of what Michael Jordan was yeah, and how much Michael Jordan meant. Yep. You know, Giannis again is one of those guys that I think could be in that combo because he's done things that for anyone else, the medics and the, and everybody's advice, they would have said, nah, sit out. And that's exactly what that person would have done. So I don't know. I think, 
I think there's people who who are dreamers, people that grew up like a Giannis where they imagined themselves being in a certain position and now that they're there, they're not going to pass upon the opportunity to do something legendary versus other guys who are almost like accountants and they make choices based on dollars and cents alone. Yeah. You know, and I just think that that conversation needs to be a part of this so that the guys that are more interested in legacy and in impact, they'll make the choices that they make. And then they'll have, there'll be the other guys who are just solely in it for a dollar and you'll, and they'll make their choices and kudos to them too. You know, everybody gets to walk the path that they want, but there's always going to be a, a, you know, a rub between greatness and, you know, success, I guess you would say, you know what I mean? And, And I don't know if they always are the same, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. I think, and yeah, but about to end it, but I do think the type of game we're talking about, a lot of those guys came out of college. They came from their universities. They had their university coaches. They had university programs. And I think when I think of the NCAA, when I think of March Madness, I always say to people, it's the only time in your life you'll be able to see a great NBA player lose to a guy who's going to become a dentist. Hmm. Because it's just one game And you almost root for the dentist Exactly Because they're playing their asses off So those guys have to go into situations Where guys are getting They're not as talented But those guys are getting up Working hard Doing all the right things Going to school You learn something in an environment like that You know Mm -hmm. It's not just about money in that situation No one's being paid So why are these guys diving on the floor Why are they coming back on the floor injured why are they doing these things? No one's making any money right here. It's because of the love of the game. That's yeah. what's missing. There's too, like you're saying, there's too much money talk. There's too much of that. There's too much yeah. guys trying to supermax. That's the conversation. So it waters down the product. And then you'll get situation where the lines get blurred, you know, between leadership coaches star athletes the lines are blurred you know yeah something is not being done in its right way but yeah man i would well think about this before you go before you leave that thought did michael jordan have to listen to phil jackson no no so why did he because he had everything else but the thing he didn't have was the respect of a champion Mm mm-hmm and that meant something to him. And he understood that you couldn't buy that. Right. You couldn't buy it. Couldn't, you couldn't quote what, what position you were in the all-time scoring list. Yeah. It didn't matter. You know what I mean? It didn't matter. Could you perform right now? Right. And if this guy was going to help you, to become the greatest version of yourself and put you in that position, then this is the guy you needed to listen to. There's always a superstar guy, and then you'll have little old custom model. Little old custom model. Mike Tyson could have looked at that that old man and said, what do you know? You never did. You can't do what I can do. 
And yet Mike was humble and he listened and what that man turned him into. So there's more to life than just material things. And sometimes it requires that you listen. It requires that you trust something, even if you're not 100% sure of how the result is going to be. Right. And I think some of these guys, if they really want to step into that greatness category and do something special, like a Trey Young, for instance, Right. I think if Trey continues on the pace that he's on, he may never win an NBA title unless he does like a super team thing and leaves and joins with a bunch of other guys. And then it's just, they had no way they could lose. Right. Yeah. But to figure it out, to, to, to create that perfect blend of sauce and spice, and become a well-oiled machine that can defeat anyone, even if you don't have the superstar in every position. Yep. That that that's a that's something that will require that you may sacrifice some of yourself in order for that to happen. You know. Yep. On that note, gonna leave you with this. To be the best player to ever played here. And I said, well, you got to work harder than you did in high school. He said, I worked as hard as everybody else. I said, oh, excuse me. I thought you just told me you want to be the best player to ever play here. He said, I'm going to show you. Nobody will ever work as hard as I work. I can't pick one moment. And when I think of Michael Jordan, yes, I think of the shot. But I think of three years of watching that youngster get better and better and better. Michael Jordan's the only player that could ever turn it on and off. And he never freaking turned it off. Jordan, look at Athletic director of Hanover County Schools called us and said, I've got a guy down here I think may have a chance. And that was Mike Jordan. And so we invited him to our basketball camp. When he got here, we knew of him. We had heard he was pretty good. Five days later when we left here, we thought he was the best player in America. To be the best player. Yeah, man. So on that note... I want to thank everybody for listening to today's, today's episode, man. It's been great. You know, see everybody next time. B, we'll catch up later. Yeah, sir. Peace. Peace.